Welcome to Shoalhaven Youth Local, a show where we focus on everything local in Shoalhaven. From current events and community groups, to local history and the best places to be, and even our favourite local personalities. We've got you covered. So if you ever wanted to know son, where to go or where to volunteer even, from a youth perspective, then listen in. You might be surprised by what's just outside your front door. Shoalhaven Youth Local would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of you and country, the land on which this podcast is recorded, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. I'm Victoria and this is this week's Blast from the Past, All Things Local History. This segment has been proudly supported by the Brains Trust of local historian Cathy Dunn. On this week's Blast from the Past, I'm going to be discussing Thing, the Ulladulla Lighthouse. And of course this week we very kindly have our lovely producer Gemma who is stepping in because our dear friend Billy is away. So the Ulladulla Lighthouse was originally positioned in the middle of the harbour which I think a lot of people, in fact everybody can agree, that was a bit of a design flaw. I'm not originally a local from Ulladulla so Gemma can you describe the original location. So the lighthouse, uh, if anyone can picture the harbour in their mind, there's an original sandstone wharf that juts out from around where the fishermen's co-op is. Um, It's the wharf inside the, the main wharf. And that has a slight elbow on it and the lighthouse was positioned on that elbow, basically in the middle of that little... Uh, sandstone wharf. Yeah, so right in the middle of the harbour. Since the headlands are only twenty meters high on the other side, it meant that you couldn't actually see the lighthouse when you're at sea. So that caused a lot of issues. Its main primary focus and objective cannot be achieved. No. Its main job is just it was blocked. Only job. Yeah. It couldn't yes. It was very well hidden which was unfortunate for a lot of ships. Yeah, and it was all because it was designed and, like, the decisions and the design were made by people who hadn't even seen the harbour and that was in 1871. So, of course, you can tell, like, nowadays that the lighthouse and all the land has changed, but at the time... Having someone not, someone making decisions who has never actually seen the actual place, it's just like, really, really, they should have just brought in James Pool because he he knows the land, he knows what's going on. So it's one of only two cast iron lighthouses in New South Wales and possibly Australia. The first keeper was William Gamble. William Gamble was originally a ship's captain, so he had a lot of experience um, sailing and knowing all the different signals. And he knew how important the lighthouse was and how much it was needed. And I'm guessing that he probably thought that it would have been safer to work on shore (laughs) because there was a lot of, I think there were a lot of shipwrecks, if I'm correct. There's one that's quite famous which is on the 
um, Historical Society of Milton. It's written out. The Walter Hood. I think, Are yeah, the Walter about? Hood. The Walter Hood was wrecked uh, further up the coast, but oh, there was okay. in the time that it took for them to move the lighthouse. So it was in the harbour for 18 years before they decided uh, it was probably a bad idea to have it there. In yeah, that time, I wonder what took so long. In that time, there are about ten shipwrecks or more, ten that we know about. Whoa, okay. Around that area, I wonder how many dive teams have gone out to go and have a look, or if they've found any other ones that haven't been known about. Because you can imagine that. I mean, it would have taken some really skilled ship's captains and a lot of. Somehow communication. I'm hoping that Gamble was able to help um, communicate some of the signals and be able to find a way to tell them about the dangers of the sharp rocks and be able to guide them calmly and peacefully to the harbour. It would have been quite depressing for for Gamble, yeah. I would think, though, because he's he's been on the other side. He knows how dangerous the ocean is. He's now in a position where he thinks he can help people and yet the lighthouse is in a position where it can't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his fault that it was in a position that, in the position that it was. And I know that there were a lot of ships that went back and forth to Sydney, so I wonder just how many ships Ulladulla got, or rather Boat Harbour got. I should be using the correct name that it um, was using at the time instead of the modern name. <laughs> so the Ulladulla Lighthouse has, of course, been moved now to Wardenhead. So, and it's now in its current location, which is a lovely whale-watching spot um, for this time of the year. There's also some seals and stuff that you can see, which is really nice and really a pretty location. Um, great for taking photos. And... Um, I wonder how long it took for them to actually demolish the old lighthouse. It's the same lighthouse. Yeah, it's the same lighthouse, but they would have had to take it to pieces and rebuild it. Whoa, and okay. there are, there, it would have been, it's cast iron panels, so they would have had to take each panel down and then rebuild the lighthouse up on board. Oh. Whoa, that's actually really cool. Mm. I wonder... So I think we said that the other lighthouse, I think, was in Shell Harbour? I think or? it's in Shell Harbour, yes. We're going to have to check those facts. I've seen some other great lighthouses up and down New South Wales, but I have to say the Ulladulla Lighthouse is pretty cool. So we've just checked our facts, and it is indeed one of two in New South Wales. The other one is actually in Wollongong. Um, both are made from raw cast iron, I think it was. And... Um, we have found that there was another one in Western Australia. So I think there's only three currently. I could possibly be wrong on that. Um, so it's old and it's been around for a very long time and I'm amazed at how, like, I don't know how much upkeep it's had. It's probably had quite a bit, but it's been well taken care of and well maintained. Yeah, so that's the Ulladulla Lighthouse. Do you scroll through the streaming services not knowing what to watch? 
Welcome to the nerdy sci-fi movie, guys. Two nerds with a plan. To make sure that you... Watch the greatest films of all time. Basically, Marvel or Star Wars. Well, could there be others, potentially? Nope. Okay, Okay, let's roll. Alright, today we're going to be reviewing Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, what did you think of the characters and the villains? Um, some of the characters were good, some of them were, some of them were believable, others were not. Kylo Ren, to me, was an overgrown, entitled toddler who hadn't, had no said to him, or he hadn't been taught what no means. Rey, to me, was like a Star Wars version of Hermione and Harry from Harry Potter, all just mixed together. Finn was... A clumsy guy who had a total crush on Poe. And Poe was a reckless pilot who had a knack for trouble. He was also hot. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> well, I think for me, the characters were probably the worst part. I feel like, because for me, I do agree with what you said, because he literally had tantrums like a five-year-old. Mm. It's like when he found out that... Um, Finn helped Poe escape. He just, like, whipped out his lightsaber and just started slashing up, like, some random control panel. He's had two tantrums in that movie, and it's just... It's funny to watch. I don't know why. It's just... Like, and to me, that makes him, like... He's not scary. He's, like, not menacing. Also, this bit is, like, a minor thing, but it's, like, Poe and Finn being friends... It was a bit weird. Yeah, it just, like, felt forced. Like, they, like, just yeah. met each other and they were already best friends. And with Ray, I don't know. She was just, like, really serious all the time and she was just, like, n- not a very, like, enjoyable character. She wasn't a very... I don't know. She was just, like, a kind of a weird character that you didn't really, like... You're meant to like her because she's the main character, like... But you, I just kind of didn't. She was sort of, like... Yeah, the Star Wars version of Hermione Granger and Harry Potter mixed together. She came mm-hmm. across as a bit of smarty pants. Yeah, yeah. And the um, with the old characters, it just, like, they didn't feel like the same characters. It's like Luke Skywalker just giving up and going to some remote planet after, like, one guy turns bad. But, like, he's dealt with Darth Vader... He's done all of this stuff, and now he's scared of some kid who turned bad. And it just it seemed nephew. a bit weird. Like, I mean, like, if it made him want to stop, like, being a Jedi, I mean, I would have been fine with that. But, like, he just, like, hides away on this, like, he remote planet. And it's just... Away. And just, like, turns really grumpy and everything. It's just kind of yeah. weird. He doesn't feel the Literally same. Literally in... It's like... He just... Just like yeet with the lightsaber over his shoulder in yeah. the second movie of the sequels, and it's just like he just like well, completely what? gave up, even though he fought Darth Vader and like all of this stuff, and he's yeah. like the most powerful Jedi ever, and he's like just some kid goes bad, and he's like, oh well, I guess I'm done. Yeah, Time for retirement. Sort of like Ray, like quickly going back to Ray, like. It seems as if she already knew all the Jedi skills, and it's like, well, yeah, like that there was like no training sense. or anything. She's had no training, and yet she's already a 
fully capable Jedi. What the hell? Yeah, it took heck? her like two attempts to that tell this stormtrooper to let her go. And then um, I felt like continuing on with the characters and stuff, Leia was probably the only one out of the original Star Wars characters that actually felt the same. She was still the no-nonsense head of the rebellion and she was still fully Princess Leia. The storyline. Yeah, I was just about to ask about that. Yeah. Did you think it was easy to follow or did you feel like it was just too confusing and too much going on? For me, mostly, it just felt, like, repetitive. They go to a planet, they find them on that planet, they get chased away, and sometimes one of them gets captured and they have to rescue them and then they just go to another planet, they get found again, and it's just, like, it just felt like the same thing was happening over again. Yeah, it felt like almost a copy of the originals. Yeah. And And the prequels, because literally... It just felt like them running away for the whole movie. Yeah, literally, they go to a planet, they find a force-sensitive kid, then they go to another planet, and crazy stuff happens and stuff, and just someone gets captured, and then they get free, and there's a big fight, and then it's just some sort of surprising factor... And then done. Yeah. It was, it did feel a bit repetitive. I don't know. It was just like, it was, it was kind of weird. There's a um, behind the scenes clip where there's a scene where Han like takes off his jacket and throws it off. And then some other point where Chewie gives the jacket back and apparently Harrison Ford was just genuinely confused because that wasn't in the script. It was really weird. So some of the behind-the-scenes clips genuinely give you more of a sense of what's going on. Can we talk Han Solo's death? <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> and also, were there any other surprises for you in the movie? Well, I feel like with Han Solo's death, it was kind of expected. I don't, I don't really know why. There wasn't really a reason. It just felt like it was going to happen. And... Yeah, I, also I think there was a bit where he was, like, getting his lightsaber ready. So. I, mean, I don't know. I think I saw it coming. The first time around, um, like, when I first saw it, it was surprising. But then when I think back on it, I should have expected it. Because, I mean, literally yeah. someone close to the main character, like Anakin and Luke, always die. Because, mm-hmm. like, there was Qui-Gon in the prequels and then Padme also dies. Yeah, a lot of time when major characters die in Star Star Wars, it's always by, like, falling off something that's, like, really high up. So it's, like, um, well, not always, but still, like, I just, like, I was, like, oh, well, there's, like, they're on a bridge that's really high up. I, I don't know what's about to happen. So, yeah. I mean... I think they were trying to slowly kill off one of the originals because, I mean, they were going to either retire from the industry or they were um, couldn't film anything else because they've got other movies or TV shows lined up. Yeah. So, I mean... All right, just one more thing before we end. I just wanted to circle back to Ray again. With Ray, 
again with like the she didn't have any training kind of thing it's like she just like knew how to use the force like immediately yeah and it did it felt it felt weird and it's like it felt like there was like a deleted scene where she was trained but then like they had to delete it because of like runtime or something it just felt a bit forced and also like when she just immediately knew how to fly the Millennium Falcon yeah. and was, like, a complete pro at it. Because she hadn't actually, as far as I know, the only thing she'd ever flown before was her speeder bike. And that hovers, like, two centimetres off the ground, so... Yeah, that's not a proper Yeah, and she was, ship. like... So yeah, and she was doing, Earth like, crazy manoeuvres through, like, cliffs and stuff. And, Unless there was, yeah. like reckless beginner piloting and she just had good luck then yeah. it didn't make sense and I feel like there's a lot of YouTube videos yeah so and it's like it's not like character development where because she didn't other people train. break this down and really question all these theories and stuff yeah, that we've but, been covering but yeah anyway let's overall, wrap this up overall how many rubber chickens would you give this movie I couldn't decide. Like, I was going between 6.5 and 7, so I'm just going to go 7 out of 10. Because, I mean, the special effects and stuff were great. Yeah, the characters were a bit questionable and stuff. But I'm going off how it was for me the first time I saw it, and I thought it was pretty good the first time around before I started diving deep and questioning things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go 7 out of 10. And well, you might not like this, but I think I'm gonna go four out of ten. Yeah, it's, it's understandable. Just, it, it like was, my rating changed. I just didn't like that movie. Like when we were doing it for this review, I don't know. It felt like it was like a chore watching it. Like it felt like yeah. I, I was, mean, literally, my uh, rating goes down to a five when I actually start diving deep and digging into it. Want to find out what's going on in the community? With a focus on community groups and local initiatives happening around town, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on. Let's find out who's in our local hot seat this week. Today we've got with us Libby from Muso. Muso is Milton Aladella String Orchestra. <laughs> Welcome, Libby. Thank you, Harley. Could you tell us a bit about Muso and how it got started? Sure. I came down to live in Mollymook uh, in 2019. I never went home after the fires and I was retired. I hadn't played the violin for 35 years after having a car accident when I was 26 and uh, I was looking for players to play with because playing a stringed instrument is very, very lonely. It sounds, you can play for years and years and years and still sound like rubbish. So it makes it so much better if you can play with other people. But there was no one around here to play with. Um, I was, I used to just ear bash anybody I could come upon, asking them if they knew anyone who played a stringed instrument. Um, eventually I found one person and then another Somebody told me about a wonderful woman called Fiona Thompson who had recently moved to the area and she is a violinist and viola player and the ex-director of the Mitchell Conservatorium of Music in Bathurst. And so I started taking lessons with her and I gave her a challenge. I said, 
I'd really like to start an orchestra down here. I'd love to play Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony once again before I die. And she said, well, Libby, if you can find the players, I'll conduct it for you, thinking that it was no way that she was going to find, I was going to find the players. Anyway, they came out of the woodwork and in March last year we ended up our first rehearsal with 16 players. We're now up to 30. Whoa. Yes. My um, second cousin actually plays the cello and he was with the BBC Concert Orchestra for a while over in the UK. All right, so who can get involved with Muso? Anybody can, Harley. We're particularly hoping to um, attract younger kids who up until now there's been no avenue for string playing, very few teachers in the area. Um, So we've connected uh, some players with teachers already and we're continuing to do so. We've had two young fellows who were previously having to travel to Nowra for lessons. Uh, They're now having lessons locally. So we have a range of people and a range of abilities from ex-professional to pretty much beginners. But the bottom line is enjoyment and everybody just loves coming together to play music. Do you have any performances planned? Yes, we have one coming up on the 25th of this month. It's at St Mary's Star of the Sea School Hall and we are playing um, music from screen and stage um, around the world. So we've got a few guest artists. We're playing Gabriel's Oboe from The Mission and you two are way too young to even know what that movie is. (laughs) Uh, Playing a few things uh, from some of the games, uh, video games and, yeah, just lots trying to attract across the board uh, interest from all ages. My mind instantly goes to the... um and then the Mario theme song. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, you'll be disappointed we're not playing that. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. So how do people find out and get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact me via uh, admin at muso.org.au, Facebook, Milton Ulladulla String Orchestra, or uh, Instagram, Milton Ulladulla Strings. How can people support Muso? By coming along to our performances, uh, by learning an instrument. We also hope to transform into a full symphony orchestra by next year because there are lots of woodwind and brass players out in the community hoping to have an avenue to play in. So just spread the word, basically. The more, the merrier. I tried to learn how to play an instrument, but I did not have the patience for it. But, of course, there are some very talented people in our community who are extremely talented and extremely patient. Yeah, it does take a lot of patience, a lot of time. Sometimes it's um, just having a community around you too and the support of other people can help you stick with it. Absolutely. I would love to know what the uh, statistics are on the number of people who give up just because they don't have a community to play with, to be together in. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lou, for coming along. It's been great being able to chat with you. Um, so just a reminder that the 25th of June at 3pm, St Mary's School Hall is Muso's next performance. It is a note donation at the door. 
So everybody's welcome to come along and watch Libby and her amazing orchestra. Thank you, Libby. Thank you so much, Victoria and Harley. Thank you. So that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to our show. Shoalhaven Youth Local is a show dedicated to sharing local info about the Shoalhaven from a youth perspective. If you want any information from the show, you can find it in our show notes at our podcast, Shoalhaven Youth Local. And don't forget to subscribe and share the show with all your favourite locals. Shoalhaven Youth Local is made possible with funding from the New South Wales Office of Communities and Justice. Catch you next time!